Now, you ought to understand that God can take the devil and use his wicked devices to put you right where he wants you to accomplish exactly what he wants to accomplish. So I want you to look at this verse. And you'll notice there in verse 11 where he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's not like God stops the devil. But he tells you how to prepare for the devil. So God doesn't tell us what he's going to do tomorrow. And God doesn't tell us all the ways in which the devil is going to try to get us tomorrow. But we do know and understand that the devil is on our trail and he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So, I mean, if I'm God's child and God really loves me, God's not going to let Satan get me, is he? I mean, God's not going to let the devil ruin my life, is he? Why wouldn't God allow the devil to get the best of me? Don't he care about me? And when he talks about knowing the wiles of the devil, you don't have to know everything, but God has given to us the weapons of warfare. And if we'll do what God says do, we'll have what we need to battle tomorrow. But if God told us in advance all the details, the exact details of tomorrow's battle, we may not want to face tomorrow. It could be so discouraging, so disheartening. And God doesn't even tell us in advance some of the great blessings we're going to have tomorrow. Did you know just me receiving a couple of these letters, do you know that is heartwarming to my soul? Do you think I've gotten other kinds of letters? I have. I've had some where people have just taken me to, to task. I mean, just whoop the daylights out of me. And I thought, why do they feel that way toward me? I don't feel that way toward them. Why don't everybody love me? I'm such a lovable guy. I don't bother anybody. All I do is try to win people to the Lord and challenge them to serve the Lord. What's the problem? And especially, God's people ought to be for me, right? Not against me. But, you know, not everybody's going to be for you. You already know that in advance. You just don't know who it's going to come from and how it's going to be and what time of the day. And there's all kind of things. But God, in his wisdom, has saw fit not to reveal them. Let me just mention this to you. Because it's important to know. You remember that there were times when... Judas, the Bible says, he bare out of the bag what was put into the bag. What did that make him? A thief. He was like the secretary for the group. He was in charge of the finance. He was in charge of the finance committee. And so he would take out, so he was a thief. Now, the devil, I don't believe, can read your mind. But I do believe he can read the impressions upon your face. And I believe that he might be able to see and tell what kind of an attitude you have when you know the will of God and you refuse to do it. He also might be able to read your actions. You think that's possible? Do you think the devil could have saw when he was taking money out of the, the till and could say, now this is the guy I'm going to get. And this is the guy that I'm going to get 
to betray the Lord. Did you know that by him betraying the Lord so that he would be killed fulfilled the will of God? Did you know that the devil, in thinking that he finally has defeated Jesus, actually produced the victory? Because Christ came back from the dead. And Christ, even though it was ordained by God that he would die at the hands of wicked men, God has fulfilled his will in that he raised him from the dead. So Satan does not know everything. I've often wondered why it seems like throughout the scriptures, over a span of about fifteen to 1,600 years, with, you know, all these writers, up to 40 different writers, and all these years, prophecy was written far enough in advance that the guy who wrote it could not fulfill it. So that it could not be said, he made it happen. He said it, and then he made it happen. But God would allow one man to reveal one thing, and then a couple hundred years pass, and another man reveals something, and then a couple hundred years later, another man reveals something. And I believe there's several reasons for that. One is so that the devil would not know the plan of God. Now, he might know overall that there's something going to happen, and a Messiah may be on his way, but he doesn't understand everything. He even misquoted Scripture. And if he had known that Jesus Christ was going to have to die and pay for our sins on the cross, well, he might have um, said, hey, well, I'm not going that route. I need to change this thing here. And maybe that's why he was trying to kill him in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't know. But I know that the devil is not God. He does not have the ability to know everything, and he does not read thoughts. The Bible says Christ could do this, but not the devil. But he will try to interject thoughts into your mind. So he even told Satan, the Bible says that he entered into Judas and got him to betray the Son of God. Why would the Scriptures be written in such a way that even when Jesus was born, why didn't Satan know where Jesus was going to be born. Did he understand Micah chapter 5, verse 2? But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of thee shall he come forth to be ruler in Israel, who's going forth to have been from old to everlasting. Did he know that? Why couldn't he have found a way to tell Herod so that Herod could have been there in advance and have him killed? See, there's a lot that we don't know that goes on behind the scenes. But God has seen fit to word things in such a way, and even with his disciples, the Bible says, even when he told them of his crucifixion, it says, but they understood not, for these things were hidden from them. He hid them from them. So, because see, if those disciples had known precisely what was going to take place, is it possible that they might have tried to intervene? change the outcourse. If you knew what was going to happen to you tomorrow, Angel is going to have a wreck on the corner of Hillsborough and Sheldon. He's going to have a wreck. What would you do? He wouldn't go there. He said, not this boy. Not this boy. I'm not going there. So if God says this is going to happen at 2 o'clock, that tomorrow 
uh, you're going to go by the bank and there's going to be a robbery and you're going to get shot and killed. Well, what would you do? You would not go by that bank. Because you knew what was going to happen, so you would avoid it. So you could change the outcourse of the plan of God. Maybe that's what God wanted. God, in his wisdom, knows that it's best for you and I. And this is why he wants us to trust him day by day. Because if he was to give you a written detail of tomorrow, did you know the old devil would know exactly what to do to you tomorrow? So he has to wait till tomorrow, too. Isn't that wonderful? Both of us have to wait till tomorrow and fight it out again. Every day of our life. But if we yield ourselves to the Lord, he will guide us and protect us and use us. And we'll have the armor that we need to fight the old devil. And God says that whenever the battle is over, there's no more work to do, that God's going to take us on out of here. Some good stuff. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy and chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want to show you just a couple of thoughts here. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And notice there in verse 20. And it says this, Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So evidently, there's somebody that had overthrew the faith of some of God's people. And it says that they knew this, but they have made shipwreck of their faith. And so it makes a statement also there in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, but we won't look at that right now, where it says that they taught things that were not true and overthrew the faith of some. But is it possible that the Lord may turn you over to the devil that you may learn a lesson, that you may learn to them not to blaspheme, but for somebody else it might be a different story. God can use the devil. Remember, God did not stop the devil from tempting Peter. Remember, he says, Satan hath desired thee, that he may sift you as wheat. Why didn't God stop the devil from doing it? But he didn't. He allowed the devil. And then what did Peter wind up doing? Denying the Lord three times. Did you know the devil was behind that? Peter never had any inkling that he would do such a thing. Christ already knew what was going to happen. And he just happened to tell him, before the cock crows thrice, you're going to deny me. You are going to deny me. Three times. See, Jesus already knew. And he already knew who was behind it and how he's going to influence you. And though he told Peter, it um, was said, but when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You see, there's lessons for you and I to learn. And when we lift ourselves up with pride, God utilizes whatever necessary to teach us valuable lessons.
Oh, look at this. Look in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. I want you to see this. Even though this is during the tribulation period, this is when the Antichrist is going to be revealed. But he's going to deceive the people because they would not believe the truth. But if this can happen then, cannot it happen now? Not that the Antichrist is here, but how the devil works. So you see there in verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. Now remember, Satan is at work. The devil is as a roaring lion. Now the Lord is at work, the devil is at work. And you and I are supposed to be at work. And then he makes a statement. With all power and sign and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, here you and I are. Why did it happen to them? Because they would not believe the truth. So the devil is able to capture them with a lie. So remember, if you understand, Christ wants to capture you with truth and bring all of our thoughts into captivity to the Lord. Well, the devil wants to capture your mind, but he can't do it with truth. He uses a lie. He deceives you. That's what he does. And he makes this statement, because they believe not the truth. In verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. In other words, you won't believe the truth, then I'll let you believe the lie. All right, that's during the tribulation period. But how Satan works there is also how Satan works now. That's also how Satan worked with Adam and Eve. Deceive. Lie. Why did they yield in the tribulation period? Because they believe not the truth. What about you and I? Every time the word of God is taught, you're learning truth. And whatever truth you don't learn could have been the truth that would have kept you from believing a lie. So therefore, there's many of God's children that believe lies, and they're deceived. And they waste their life, they spend their wills, and never accomplish what God wants them to, because the devil has sown his seeds of deception. So look what he says here. In verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions. Well, who are the delusions coming from? From the liar. From the devil. You see, God can use the devil to accomplish his will. God can use every individual for his honor and for his glory. I told a man one day, he had trusted Christ as Savior, but he didn't want to serve the Lord. And I told him, I said, you know, God can get glory out of your life whether by life or death. I said, you know, God could take your life, have a lot of people come to your funeral, and a lot of people trust the Lord. Now, wouldn't you rather him have these people trust the Lord because you're alive or because you're dead? What would you prefer? You know, sometimes it wakes people up. You've got to jar them. You know, the scripture talked about 
rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Do you like being rebuked? You don't, huh? What if the preacher rebuked you sharply? So well, that hurt my feelings. That'd make me mad. I'd get even with him at the last day. But what if God says to do it? I would be disobedient if I didn't do it. Now, if you were me, what would you do? Don't you hide your head, Peter. I'm looking at you. But you see, there's things that God has put into his word. Uh, take your Bible, look in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy and chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, look in verse 15. Make it chapter 5 and verse 15. First mistake I've made today. Devil made me do that. In verse 15 of chapter 5, it says, For some are already turned aside unto Satan. Already turned aside unto Satan. So that's God's children making bad decisions. Also, look there in 2 Timothy in chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we had mentioned this before. Can a Christian be taken captive by the devil? Can the devil capture you? Yes. That means you become his slave. You're trapped. But notice what he says in verse 26. And that they may recover themselves. Recover themselves. Out of the snare of the devil. Who are taken captive by him at his will. You see, that's why you find up there in verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly divided in the word of truth. And if you don't know truth, you cannot discern error. And if you don't know the truth, you're easily deceived. And it will seem right. Remember, it says in over in the old book of Proverbs over and over again, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. This is wrong. But it seems right. Have you ever argued about something that seems right to you and you find out later it was wrong? If I ever have that happen, I'm going to admit it. No. You know I'm joking, right? You, you know that. Yeah. But it is so important to realize that the only way to be released out of Satan's little prison is to believe the truth. Christ says, if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free but if you don't believe the truth you'll believe the lie and if you believe the lie it will capture you it will so disappoint you and discourage you that you don't even want to face tomorrow because you feel like God has let me down and you had high expectations and they weren't met the way you thought they ought to be met I am so glad that I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow now I know that God's going to be with me so I don't have to worry about that. I know the Holy Spirit lives within me, so I, I know I got all the power I need for whatever's going to happen tomorrow. But I also know that tomorrow the devil could use a hundred people to say something against me. That I would say, it went wrong. I'm going to go out in the garden and eat worms. My pet rock night. You know, everything is bad. But I should know that before tomorrow comes. But I don't know all the details. I don't want to know all the details. Or I may not even get out of bed in the morning. 
say, it's safe right here. And little did I know that I stayed in bed that day, that'd be a sinkhole. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a scary thought? I'm safe here. Did you know you can break your neck getting out of the bathtub? What's the motto? Don't take baths. I finally got an amen over here from Mike. I think it was Mike. <laughs> that would be a terrible thing to happen, though. It really would. Um, I want to just read a couple thoughts to you that I had wrote down. You know, God spread prophecies out over the years so man could not make it happen by his planning. But also to keep knowledge, I believe, from the devil. If the disciples had known all the details, they might have tried to change the course of history or from God's will from being accomplished. If Satan knew he could work to destroy those plans, if Satan knew it. So I wrote down this last little phrase on my notes. Praise the Lord. Nobody knows but him. I'm so glad the devil don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow because he doesn't know how God's going to work. And he's not God. He is not omniscient. He is not all wise. He's not all knowing. He's not. He's not omnipotent. He's not. He's not omnipresent. God is. And I'd rather just walk every day trusting the Lord and see what he has for me. And that's why you're supposed to lean upon him every day and look to the Lord every day. Remember that one little prayer mentioned over there in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 6? Give us this day our monthly bread. Weekly bread. Daily. It means to be in dependence upon the Lord every day. Every day. Because you don't know what's coming tomorrow. And he says, to him that knoweth to do good, it means to commit tomorrow to the Lord because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And to do other than that, God says, it is sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So that means that every day I'm supposed to say, if the Lord will, we'll do this or that. But I'm going to trust the Lord. And I believe that God will open up doors, and I believe God can close doors, and I believe God can protect. But I also believe that according to the Scriptures, if I choose to be rebellious to the Lord, that God can turn me over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh. I'd rather just serve the Lord, and I know God will bless. Look up here. Here or watching by Internet. And isn't it amazing that every once in a while we hear from somebody, who knows how far people watch on the Internet. And I had a, a letter that I got this last week from, well, I think I had Peter read it last week about somebody that, from another state that says, hey, we're over here in Nebraska, and we're also listening to the broadcast. But anyway, this is you and me, and this is sin. We are all sinners. God loves us. You realize how many times I repeat that? God loves us. And he hates our sin, but he loves us. Because a lot of people, they don't know and they don't believe God loves them. But he does love us. But he hates what we do wrong. 
But the Bible says for us to pay for the wrong that we did against God is eternal separation from him in hell. But he loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we'd have to be perfect, just as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We're all sinners. We've all come short of God's perfection. So God says, you can't save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loved us. He hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said that if we would believe that he did it for us he would put the payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us that is salvation being saved from hell by grace you don't deserve it we don't deserve it but God loves us that much let's pray shall we every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around if you've never trusted Christ as your savior would you trust him tonight? Because you don't have a clue when you're going to die. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And you might think, well, I'll, I'll do that right before I die. What power do you have over when you're going to die or how you're going to die or if you'll be even in your right mind when you die? So a wise person will accept Christ as their Savior right now. It's the smartest thing you could ever do. The devil will lie to you and deceive to you and say it's not that important. You can do it later. But why not right now in the quietness of this moment, just between you and the Lord, say something simple like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Christ died on that cross, paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, if you'll do that, God said he would save you, give you eternal life. If you will, I'd like to pray for you. Would you slip you in it very quickly and put it right back down? By that you mean, yes, pray for me. I will accept Christ right now as my Savior. If you will trust him, he said he would save you from hell, give you eternal life. Our Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. And we're thankful, Lord, that in your wisdom you saw fit not to reveal the future to us. Except telling us that, yes, there's a heaven and, yes, there's a hell. Yes, you're coming back, but you didn't even tell us when. And Father, one day we'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded for the things that we've done, but you didn't tell us how long we were going to live. Father, there's some things in your wisdom you've seen fit to keep from us. But you said in your word, the secret thing belongeth unto you. Help us to learn to walk with you and to trust you. And Father, we don't know what tomorrow may bring forth, but we know that you are in charge and we trust you. We lean upon you. And Father, help each one of us here to humble ourselves under your mighty hand, trusting that in due time you'll raise us up according to your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.